0: What a blessing to know that the reason for everything we do is Jesus Christ, and that will never change. There are all kinds of moments when we tend to celebrate in life. I was looking through some pictures that depict some of those moments this week, and uh, we're going to look at some of them in just a moment, but actually, I want you guys to watch a humorous video of someone celebrating. This is high—I'm uh, sorry an elementary school principal. I was on the news not too long ago because it was from one of our local schools. Oh! <laughs> Uh, the funniest part of that was me picturing some of you. Ginger Molasso, CV. I would have expected to see you out there doing that, jumping up and down, shouting and screaming. Love to see the kids who, I guess in a way, it almost seemed like the, the principal was rubbing it in a little bit because you know they wanted to be out there in it too. And he's outside running around and celebrating. Well, there are all kinds of moments in life when we celebrate. Uh, some of them are very easy to celebrate. I joked that today is uh, Kay Seeger's birthday. And that's why we have these balloons. Actually, today is Kay's birthday, but that's not why we have these balloons. Actually, I think it's also Martha's birthday too, but I'm not supposed to make a big deal out of that. Um, <laughs> anyways, there are all kinds of examples of when we would celebrate different things. For example, you have New Year's celebrations uh, often we'll use fireworks and different things like that to kind of help uh, celebrate the moment. And sometimes uh, you'll have big parties where you'll get together and uh, people, some people drink, some people just have fun. They play games. They'll stay up really late at night just to be able to celebrate together. Sometimes there'll be those birthday parties when you have all these folks that'll come together, family members and friends. Uh, they'll celebrate. Now, we celebrate more often when they're young. Uh, we do not tend to. To celebrate as we get older, as much, but uh, there are other reasons to celebrate. Uh, some people will celebrate when there's a big event, not just personal, but a big event. For example, uh, there should be some pictures uh, uh, up. Uh, I think there's that's for the. If you have a new baby, it's a reason to celebrate. Uh, if there was. Uh, A a victory. For example, at the end of World War II, there were all kinds of pictures that came out of people celebrating and dancing in the streets, hugging each other, holding up signs. Uh, There was all kinds of celebration that was associated with that. Um, And then, of course, you have those sports events. You know, when you have those big events where Clemson goes and they win the Orange Bowl and everybody's celebrating and they're excited about it. Or when... The Carolina Panthers actually win to get into the Super Bowl. Notice I'm not talking about the next step for either of those teams because there was no celebration in my opinion. In all of these celebrations, there is an overwhelming sense of, wow, like I can't believe that this is happening. We're so excited perhaps because at some point we questioned if it would ever happen. Or we're so excited because we look at the potential regarding what lies ahead and there's just so much that could happen. Of course, I, I must admit that there are also those who are looking for a reason to party and the event really doesn't matter. Uh, they just want a reason to get together and to party. Today, I want to look at our reason to celebrate and as we do, I want everyone to see that there are many, many reasons for each one of us. Because God has been so incredibly good. As we look, we'll use various scriptures, but we'll begin with a short passage from Luke chapter 17. Beginning in verse 11, it says this. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, for your faith has made you well. Picture this for a moment. Jesus is traveling along the border between Galilee and Samaria. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus is approached ...at a village where there are ten seriously ill men who come out to meet him. Ten lepers meet Jesus. Ten men afflicted by, afflicted by the worst disease imaginable in Jesus' day. Leprosy was incurable. Once you had it, you had it for the rest of your life. It was disgusting. Leprosy was considered proof that you were the worst of sinners... God was really punishing you for something bad if you had leprosy. If you had leprosy, you actually would watch your body decay. It would rot away. Your fingers, your ears, your nose would fall off. You died a slow and painful death, cut off from society, cut off from your family. And the only friendships you would ever have would be other people who had the same, similar problem. Nine others in this case that kept reminding you as you looked at them how bad you really were because you saw their disease and you automatically related it to your disease. You must really have done something horrible. There were 10 lepers, 10 dying, decaying, stinking wretches who met Jesus that day and they cried jesus master the version i read says have pity on us and the king james it says have mercy on us they must have known that this was really their only hope the only chance to escape the awful consequences of their disease they likely have been to every other doctor that was available which there probably wouldn't have been many who actually were willing to touch these men So they would have kept their distance. There really was no option. They had been to the priest and the only thing he did was declare that they were unclean and therefore they could no longer participate in society. Surely they knew that there was no hope and the only end for them was a slow, painful death unless Jesus did something great. Jesus, have mercy on us. Can you imagine how much tension must have filled the air as these 10 lepers cry out to Jesus, as 10 lives hang on the words and actions of this man from Galilee? Jesus, master, have mercy on us. There's no telling how quickly Jesus responds to them. It does tell us that when he saw them, he gives them instructions. But regardless of how quickly he responded, it must have seemed like an eternity for them. The moment that they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, immediately they must have thought, will he even pay attention? Now You think about it, there were crowds of people that would have been crushing in all the time. There was always somebody that was crying out for Jesus. Remember the story of the woman who had the continuous issue of blood and she wanted to just be able to touch the hem of his garment, hoping that that would be enough. And of course, as she touches his garment, she's healed. And then Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples basically say, well, Jesus, what are you talking about? You've got all these people, they're crushing in against you. What do you mean who touched me? And of course, Jesus knew that there was a special touch that had just taken place as this woman had just been healed. Well, the the odds are that on this occasion, the crowds would have been present. People would have been gathering around, everyone wanting his attention, everyone wanting something from him. Will he even respond when we cry and ask for mercy? Well, Jesus does respond. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. In other words, Jesus was saying, go to the priests for the certificate of cleansing. Remember, I told you that they had already been to the priest. The priest declared that they were unclean. The moment he made that declaration, they could have nothing to do with society. They couldn't be with their family, couldn't be with their friends, and the only way that they could ever be accepted back into the the original community they were from was if they were to get a certificate of cleansing. Basically, the priest looks and he says, I don't know what was there, but it's not there anymore. You are clean. Talk about a letdown for these 10 men. They've already been to the priest. He was powerless. They were expecting maybe Jesus to reach out and touch them, maybe to pour some water on them. He doesn't even tell them to go and dip in the Jordan River. You could expect there might be power in the Jordan River. After all, that was where Jesus himself had been baptized. Instead, he simply looks at these 10 men. He says, go and show yourself to the priests. How disappointing that must have been. Well, you know the rest of the story. Although they likely doubted the value in such a journey to the priests, they go, and while they are on their way, God performs a miracle, and all ten of these lepers, they are cleansed. Wow! Can you imagine the excitement that must have radiated through this group of men? One of them exclaimed to the others, my hand! It's whole. Can you imagine? You've lost a finger and you look down and it's whole. Everything is there. You look up your arm and you begin to realize that your skin is no longer diseased, but rather it's clean. It's pure. It's cleaner than even what it was before you got sick. You reach up, you feel your ears. They're, they're there. You're real. it sounds so silly, but imagine You have been labeled with this disease and you have been identified every time someone looks at you by the sin and disgust that would have been associated with it. It does sound funny to us, but I will guarantee you to these 10 men, this was not funny, although there might have been some laughter probably as they looked out and they began to recognize that just as my ear is now whole, yours is too. He did it. Jesus healed us. There had to be a celebration that would have taken place. Can you picture them continuing down the road to see the priest? Initially, they walked kind of disappointed, discouraged, Now they're running, leaping, they're dancing. They're wondering how the priest would react, anticipating the glee and the excitement of their families as they would return home healthy and whole, alive with a health certificate, proclaiming to all what had happened. All 10 men caught up in the joy, the excitement of the moment. But one of them stops in his tracks. He stops, he smiles, and he turns and begins to walk the other way, now running back to the master, back to the man who had just touched him with this mysterious power. He comes back shouting and laughing, proclaiming glory to God with a joyful and thankful heart. Praise the Lord for what he has done. I think sometimes we almost picture he came back quietly, ashamed, almost as if he didn't want anyone to know. He didn't want to be seen. No way. God had done such an amazing thing in this man's life. He wanted everybody to know. But he wanted to be able to go back to the one who had done this incredibly miraculous work to declare, thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. Now, Instead of focusing on the other nine who failed to return with thanksgiving, let's focus on the one thing that common sense says was true for all ten of them. These men had a reason to celebrate. What about you? Do you have a reason to celebrate? I'm going to ask one of you to come and to share for just a few moments. Debbie Beckwith has been a part of this church for some time, but many of you probably do not know much about her story. She has a reason to celebrate because God has been at work in her life. And I want you as the church to be able to hear how God is working. As you hear this, I also ask you to consider how God has worked in your life. See, I don't believe that Debbie is the only person who has a story. I will tell you, I don't have time for everybody to tell their story today. <laughs> but I do want you to take a moment and consider how God has worked in you. Debbie, would you come and
1: share with us this morning? I've never, I always needed a microphone, I've got a pretty loud voice. God is so good. And by the grace of God, AA, celebrate recovery, and you, my church, I'm here to share this story. God never leaves us. I was 25 during Lent, and I decided to do something that year. I hadn't done, or not done, candy in a long time. So I decided instead of quitting candy, I was going to go to church every Sunday and I did and it was during one of those Sundays in a little Dutch Reformed church in Fairfield, New Jersey that the light bulb came on and I accepted Jesus as my savior. It was very quiet. I wasn't at the altar. I knew what I had to do and ever since then I can look over all these years and I can see times close with him, times away from him, times close with him, times away and it's like wow, that just happened, and I got through it, and I survived, and God, you're amazing. God did it. God got me through that, and I wasn't even asking. He was just there all the time helping. The grace of God did get me through that, many things. God's protection and love was there during 17 years of drinking. I liked married. It was good. I loved my church, but divorced, I felt like a fifth wheel in my fellowship and it broke my heart. I, I would leave the kids at church on Sunday and me and the Lord would go do the dogs at the kennel together. I struggled with it and it eventually led me to falling away from God. A six pack every night, twice on Sunday, and then some because alcoholics lie about what they drink. When will I quit? When does ever, anyone come to grips with an addiction and say, I'm done? The gutter? Lose everything? Is that what's going to make it happen? The doctor says to Do stop? Nah. A prince in shining armor on a horse would make me happy? Nah, that wouldn't work either. <laughs> I might keep the horse. <laughs> we never know. I functioned, I paid bills. I was fine. Uh, Some of you are going to cringe, but Obamacare saved me. Not to go to any kind of a rehab, no, I I didn't have that privilege. I struggled for three or four years trying to work with a very bad shoulder. The pain was awful. And I'd be grooming a dog, and I would just stop and go, I can't even hold my clipper. And I'd get back to it, and I was grooming like this and this, just trying not to hurt my shoulder more. I jumped through hoops, I tried to get it free. I got tried to get it taken care of out of pocket. But eventually, with Obamacare, it was not a pre-existing situation, and doctors stepped up, and they fixed my shoulder. I had a total reverse shoulder replacement. The night before my surgery, I had my six-pack. I went to the hospital. I spent four days in the hospital recovering. And the day I got home, there was a situation I couldn't handle. It was at the kennel people weren't in the right place and it wasn't gonna oh i couldn't handle it yeah i got a six-pack that night too the next morning sunday morning i woke up and in my mother's own words for the love of god what are you doing what are you doing this doctor fixed you the nurses were incredible the hospital stay was great this lady came in every day and got my menu for breakfast, lunch, and dinner the next day. I had my own TV. They brought me ice for my shoulder. They, everyone cared. They cared and they took care of you. Why are you doing this? That was it. That was my bottom. <laughs> Surgery made me realize I can't do this to this body anymore. I told Pastor Don several years ago that I wanted this testimony. I want this testimony. I want to go out and I want to share it I want to help somebody, and I'm going to. Winnie Malasso celebrates for this. She knew and she prayed for me too. (sighs) So I'd reached that place. No more drinking. I admitted I have no control over alcohol, have, not had, I have no control over alcohol. Only God can fix me. I turned my will and my life over to God. about time. <laughs> but this time was different. I' quit before, I quit for nine months, I quit for a week, I would quit for two weeks. Here, there, I'd quit, never go, oh yeah, I went back. But this time I found a Facebook support group. and I found AA. And I found, thank God, celebrate recovery. Working the steps and the grace of God puts me here today sharing with you, and I love you. I have one year, four months, 16 days, and 24 hours of complete sobriety. Wow. (laughs) They knew what to do now, too. (laughs) Praise God. All glory to God. I want to read a meditation I came across recently, and it it sums me up a bit. Love the busy life. It is a joy-filled life. Take your fill of joy in the spring. Live outdoors whenever possible. Sun and air are nature's healing forces. That inward joy changes poisoned blood into pure, healthy, life-giving flow. But never forget that the real healing and close, loving contact of your spirit with God's Holy Spirit. Keep in close communion with God's Holy Spirit by, day by day. I pray that I may learn to live the abundant life. I pray that I may enjoy a close contact with God this day and be glad in it. Just Thank you very much. Thank you, Lord. Very-
0: you know the reality is every one of us probably has a story of God's deliverance and provision not everybody has struggled with a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction but every one of us has needed a redeemer and every one of us has needed a savior and Jesus Christ is the only one who is able to meet our every need regardless of what it is every one of us has a story Will you allow your story to be told to the world around you? There are a few things that I'd like to point out that would be true from our story in Luke chapter 17 and is also true for us today. The first is the idea that we are all unfinished products. In Luke 17, nine of the ten failed to even come back and say thanks for what Jesus had done. Perhaps they were simply overly excited about the miracle and they forgot Perhaps they were too self-centered to think about how this had actually happened. Either way, they should have said thanks. Although they were physically made complete, they were unfinished products. These were guys, if there was ever one of them that you would say he deserved to be healed, it was the one out of the 10 that came back and said thanks, yet Jesus healed all 10 of them. In like manner, God is doing a great work in Debbie, but the journey is by no means over. Today, she walks in victory, but she is as dependent upon Jesus Christ today as she ever was before. Today, she says thank you to God, but tomorrow, the battle will continue. That's because she, along with us, is an unfinished product. But the hope for us is found in Paul's words where he says in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The good work that Jesus Christ began, he will finish it. But we must continue that journey. We are unfinished products. In addition, we are also undeserving recipients. Of course, we, as we are unfinished products, we do not deserve God's grace. For me, my first assumption is that only one of the ten deserved this miraculous work. After all, the other nine didn't come back. But I would suggest you're a little bit further. Not even the one deserved to be healed. <laughs> it wasn't as if he got cheated by receiving this lot in life, and you know, God owed him one. So now, since he's going to be thankful. He deserves this. The reality was, he didn't deserve it any more than the other nine deserved it. None of them deserved it. The reality is that life is not always fair. Good, godly people will get sick and they will die. God doesn't owe us anything when that happens. In addition, consider that leprosy was not rare in Jesus' day. That means that there were likely thousands of others who had this disease. Surely these were not the ten most righteous among all of those who had it. Surely these individuals didn't deserve God's healing over any of the other people there. They simply were the ones that God chose to do the miraculous work in. Likewise, I have seen many people who have cried out to the Lord, seeking his deliverance from pain, from sorrow, from addiction, and even death. I confess that I don't know why God chooses to heal some people and not others. It's not as if one deserves God's healing more than another. We are all undeserving of God's healing. But isn't it wonderful to know that God often chooses to give what we do not deserve. Debbie shared her story this morning, and it's not to say that she deserved God's healing or deliverance more than anybody else. It's simply to say that God gave it, and for that, she and we should be thankful. In addition, the final thing I want you to see in here is that regardless of who the ten recipients are, regardless of how much gratitude they expressed, God's grace was undeniable. There is an undeniable grace that is extended. Consider the nine who never returned. Imagine as family members question them about how this happened. Jesus did it. We think about the one who went back after he saw Jesus. When he went and he told everybody, Jesus did it. What did the other nine say? They knew they had leprosy. They knew their skin was falling off. They were losing fingers and toes and ears and noses. The point is, they knew that they had no hope. What happened when the wife said, how did this happen? Jesus did it. Imagine as they stood before the priests and he doubted how this could be possible. Jesus did it. Imagine as they walked the streets in their hometowns and people recognized them and remembered what they had and why they had been sent away. Can miracles take place like this? Jesus did it. You know, I've heard people argue over theology and whether a particular religion is right for everybody. But one thing nobody can argue against is the miraculous work that God has done in me or individuals like Debbie. Here's what we know. There was a time that Debbie would have been identified solely by alcohol. Today, she is identified as a child of God. The same is true for many who are here today. That is undeniable grace. And that is the reason that we can celebrate. I believe God wants to extend far more undeniable grace to us. I'm grateful for what he's already done. And I want to be like the one who went back. And today I want to say thank you to my God. But I anticipate God doing far more than what he's already done. And I hope that you will allow God to do far more in you. I don't know the struggles you face today. Some of you may struggle with alcohol abuse, drug abuse, sexual impurity, dishonesty, gossip, complaining. There are all kinds of things we struggle with. I want you to know today... That Jesus came to set you free. He came to offer you the same undeniable grace. So that you can have a reason to celebrate. It's available to you. If only you'll respond. We're going to have a word of prayer. And as we do. I want to give you the opportunity to respond. Simply I'm not going to open up the altar as much this morning, but if someone comes, I'm not going to turn you away. I don't know what your struggle has been, but I do know the God who is able to meet it. As we pray this morning, maybe you would like to uh, raise your hand. I'll give you that opportunity. I want to be able to pray specifically for you. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, Lord, first of all, we thank you for your grace, this undeniable grace. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, not only to forgive us of our sins, but then also to set us free so that we don't have to continually be identified by the same struggles that once enslaved us, but rather today you have made it possible for us to truly be redeemed, to live as those who have been set free, to live a life a life of rejoicing. Lord, may you be honored as we do so. Lord, we recognize today that there may be those in here who still struggle. With every head bowed and eye closed this morning, perhaps you would like for me to specifically pray for you that you can be set free, much like Debbie shared about this morning. Would you raise your hand? Maybe it's not drugs or alcohol. Maybe it's pride. I see hands. I see more. Father, I come before you right now for the six individuals that just raised their hands. Lord, I pray that you would set us free. No longer allow us to be identified by our sin, but allow us to be identified by our Savior. Lord, may you be honored as you transform our lives. Forgive us where we have fallen short and allow us to now walk in your undeniable grace. So that others may look and realize that there is something different about him. There is something different about her. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, I pray today that you would not only forgive, but that you would start fresh and anew within us. May we truly be your instruments. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. At this time, we're going to participate in a celebration of the Lord's Supper. We don't do this every week, uh, but we do do it relatively often. This is an opportunity for us to celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And I do use that term, celebrate, intentionally. Sometimes we think of the death of Christ as a sorrowful thing, and in a manner it is a sorrowful thing. This is one who, he didn't deserve death, yet he willingly did die. It's not as if he was being punished for something horrible that he had done. That was an injustice that took place. But it was that injustice that brought redemption for you and for me. That is a reason to rejoice, to celebrate his body being broken and his blood being shed. Every one of us who has responded to the grace of God, we know the value of his body and his blood. As we participate in communion this morning, I'm going to have several ministers who will come and they're going to help me serve, but I ask you, I challenge you as we participate today to simply reflect as you receive the elements on what his body being broken and his blood being shed really means to you. How are you different? Obviously, the greatest difference is that we have a different eternal destination. We know that one day we will die and when we die we will spend eternity not in hell but in heaven. That is a big difference. But Maybe today you're like Debbie and you can look and say it is Jesus Christ who has made it possible for me to walk in victory and freedom. Allow this to be a time for you to say thanks to God for what he's done. You be among the one Not the nine, among the one. Allow today to be your opportunity to go back and to say thanks. If the ministers would come, I think we're going to have several of them. I'll ask if you would, as you receive the elements, to take it back to your seats and then wait until everyone has received the elements and then at that point... We will all partake of the elements together, and uh, we invite you to come. I'm not going to tell you what row to come from. Just come on, and uh, once everyone has received, how about if we go out here? Once everyone has received, it we will all partake together. As Jesus met with his disciples on the night that he would be arrested, he shared with them in an ordinary meal. They probably had some fish. All we hear about is the bread and the wine. It's because the bread and the wine were common at every meal. He said, this bread represents my body that is broken for you. He said, every time you eat this bread, I want you to remember what happened to my body. You see, Jesus wasn't being forced to the cross, but he was allowing himself to go to the cross. He was allowing his body to be broken for us. He said, every time you eat it, remember my body that was broken for you. He took wine, in our case, grape juice. He said, this represents my blood that is shed for you. Even though that seemed like a foreign idea because they thought Jesus had come to set up his kingdom, they understood the purpose of blood in sacrifice. Because all the way back in the Old Testament, when an individual sinned, a sacrifice was required. But the sacrifice was never enough until Jesus Christ became that sacrifice. And he paid the price for our sin once and for all. He said, every time you drink this, I want you to remember my blood being shed for you. Father, once again, we come before you and we ask right now that you would make your bodily sacrifice real to us. Help us to understand how great that sacrifice was. Thank you for allowing your son, Jesus Christ, to shed his blood for us so that we might be forgiven of our sins, so that we can go boldly before your throne and we can walk in freedom and victory in this life, but also to know that there is eternity that awaits us. Thank you for the sacrifice that was made. Help us to live like it means something, not just on Sunday morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I dismiss you, I just want to mention we have, um, we have finally gotten some progress on some things that needed to get done, and uh, the Family Life Center, we are going to be uh, doing some work on the stage area over in the Family Life Center, and it will begin this coming Saturday. Um, with that, what I'd like to do is anyone who would like tonight as a part of our Sunday night service, I want to be able to just answer questions for folks. Some individuals have already asked a few questions and it's just easier to do it in that setting. It's a little bit smaller group to where you can ask personal questions and we can dig deeper into it. So that'll be tonight at six o'clock. But if you would like to come and help us on Saturday, we would love to have your help. You don't have to be the most skilled person in the world. In fact, they even told me I could help, which is wonderful. Uh, But we're going to be specifically, we're going to be moving some things and uh, uh, we'll actually be pulling some things out, which anybody can do a lot of that stuff. So we would love to have you guys do that. Uh, What time are we doing that, Russell? Okay. All right. So if you come after 6 a.m., Russell's going to be here. Uh, So we would love to have you guys come and join us. Uh, I will say that as much as we want to have everybody involved with this process, one of the things, the gym will not be available for playing in. So if you have kids, you probably don't want to bring them because uh, they're going to want to play, and that's not going to be available to them. We've already got some things blocked off. They'll, they'll be able to use it for a Awana on Wednesday night, but they won't be able to use it while we're in there working. Uh, so just wanted to kind of throw that out there. We would love to have you guys be a part of that and come tonight and ask questions about it. We'd love to hear that too. Thank you for being with us. Uh, By the way, uh, we have a lunch for some of the new folks, any of the folks that have been to the church over the past several months. I don't know. We didn't put a time limit on it. Anyways, uh, that's over there. Come join us if you can later. Thank you and go in peace.